class. Uh, good afternoon, my name is Wesley Esquivel, and I'm a church planter with uh, One Community Church. And we'll begin off by uh, reading Acts 2, um, and it talks about the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. So, we'll, we'll just, if you got your Bibles, I guess it's in uh, it's 745 on the Red Bible. We'll be reading that. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya were near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Let's pray. God, we ask that as in that era, Lord, your spirit is with us, indwells us, enables us and empowers us. Please, Lord, as I speak your word, may it be your word that I speak. And may I be empowered by your Holy Spirit. And may we be able to listen with our minds and our hearts to your word tonight. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. In the very beginning in Genesis, we see that God was over all of creation. And what he did was that his spirit hovered. And it said that through his word... And that through everything that he did, he was, he was creating a habitat for humanity so that we could dwell with him. And so as he did this, he created man and woman and all humanity was gathered there. And as they were gathered there, they were in his presence. They could worship with him, they could speak with him in the cool of the night, and they were all his children. Now... God had an intimate relationship with man, and that was broken because man chose certain things. Humanity chose to be autonomous, alone to themselves, self-sufficient, and independent from God. And when we choose that, what ends up happening is the chaos of sin. And so as man started to become self-sufficient, autonomous, um, and self-independent, the children of Adam and Eve uh, lived this out. And the consequences, what you see in the Tower of Babel. Uh, here you have, and this is poor, this is not Babylon, but it's very likely that this is similar to what happened in Babylon. Babylon was an international city. People came from all over the world to live there. Not only that, many languages were spoken, but one main language was spoken, and everybody spoke it. It was a center of technology, because not only were they using bricks, but they were using uh, mortar and they were using bricks. No, a stone wasn't being used anymore. And they could build, build this magnificent city 
and these great towers and building projects. There was much wealth and political power. Does that sound familiar? Right? Uh, it was an up-and-coming city, and what man did is they built this city for their great name. In other words, it was done for pride. And at the top, they said, we shall ascend to the heavens. And in essence, every world religion, except Christianity, seeks to ascend to God through their own work. We, on the other hand, say God descends to us. And, and I like the term that's being used here. It's not even the term empower, it's the word enable. Because we're unable to go up to God unless His Spirit empowers us and comes down to us. And at Babel, Babylon, God gracefully comes down and disciplines humanity and says, I know you can do great things, but if you do more apart from me, it only leads to destruction. Uh, there was one sociologist that said that all culture needs to be successful is to have an educated population, an efficient government, a good economy, and that's what Nazi Germany had. And they had a lot of technology, and, but they were without God. And humanity without God, with all its efforts, it leads to destruction. So what we say is we need God, we're not autonomous from God, we're completely dependent upon Him. And He enables us to do good. So what did God do? He, he frustrated their efforts. And fast forward now to Jerusalem. It was an international city. Many people were there. It was a center of wealth. It was a center of military power. It was a center of religion. And both things tried to ascend to God. Humanism tried to say, we can become like God. And religion, a lot of times, says the same thing. We can become like God. And through religion, we will go up to God. And here, the power came through the Holy Spirit. It was 12 very afraid individuals that were enabled and empowered to spread the word of God to all nations. And here, God reverses what he did in Babylon. In Babylon, he segregated the nations. Here, he brings them together. Instead of creating one new person, kind of like what he did in Eden, that he made man, and he pneumatos, he breathed life and the spirit into him. Now there will be a new creation. There will be a new habitat, which will be his church. And in this church, we will be able to dwell with God. And in this new life that we have, we will be able to commune once again with God and have that intimate relationship because He will be within us, with us, and among us. And so now that we are in Jerusalem, God descends once again. See, it's funny because it says in Eden that God descended to speak with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, right? It also said that in Babel, in, in uh, Genesis 11, that he descended to see what man was doing. Now it says that in Jerusalem, God once again descends to be with his people. What's going to happen finally in Revelations 21 and 22 is that God will recreate everything. Uh, as, as Westerners, we're inheritors of the Greek culture. And the Greek culture is very linear. A to B. One, two, three, four, five. Right? The Hebrews are not like that. The Hebrews think in spirals and cycles. They cycle and come back to it. That's why when you read Judges, 
or some Old Testament stuff. Like, what? What is? What? Did this happen over here? Or did it happen over here? Because they speak in a cyclical way. Uh, you read Luke. Luke is very linear, right? You read Mark, and I'm like, wait a minute, wasn't this Jesus did this over here? Over here? They they think more in that type of way. Not this Luke, the other Luke. Okay, going for the Bible. But what he's going to do, God, is going to once again recreate the world. He's going to recreate a habitat. And guess what? Then we shall ascend to God. We shall be with Him in heaven. And there there will be a new tree of life, like it was in Eden. There there will be a new city, like what humans try to do in Babylon. There there will be a new temple, as Jerusalem was. And there will be the dwelling place of God. Now I say we will not even need the sun. Because His presence will light all up. And we shall be with Him. And we shall be with God. And there will be no more tears. And all the suffering. And the habitat that He intended for us to live. That fellowship that He intended for us to have. We will have it there. And today we taste that. We taste that here at church. We taste that in this community that we have. Just a little glimpse of the glory that we will taste. The fellowship. The great communion that we will have with God. We will taste it here, and we have tasted it here. What, what, why do I say that? At the end, what do we do with this? What is the purpose? First of all, we do this. In Babel, in Babel, I'm thinking in Spanish, I'm sorry. I actually had that written down in Spanish this morning. <laughs> in Babylonia, I'm speaking in tongues, right? <laughs> in Babel, what ended up happening is, now I'm thinking in Spanish. My goodness, I shouldn't be doing that. Okay. And maybe what ended up happening was that man said, I would make great names for myself. My career, my car, my job, my house will be great and people will see me for what I do. Now, all that is not bad. None of that is bad. Having a good career, a good education, money. When it's bad, it's when it's glory be to Wesley. When all that, we know that we're enabled. You know, enabled is a bad word for us, right? Don't enable people. Well, in Christianity, it's actually the word, the appropriate term, because we are enabled. We can't, we can't do anything without, apart from God, because we're dependent upon Him and not autonomous from Him. So what ends up happening is now every effort that we do, glory be to God. If I get straight A's in school, glory be to God. Whatever effort and work I do, glory be to God. That doesn't mean that I become lazy and don't do anything. That means that as I work hard, it's all for Him. That then keeps us humble, and that then puts things in the right perspective that we give Him gratitude and grace. And guess what? And those who can't do anything for us, guess why Christians, are, why we should help those who are disabled? Because that's our condition spiritually before we came to God. We were spiritually disabled, unable to do things. That's why we help those who are less fortunate and can't help themselves. Not so much to say, Wesley, you're such a great social justice guy. It's because glory be to God. He did this to me. I do that now to them. And as we work hard, we recognize his effort. We give glory to him. And then we become humble in our work. Uh, we are not self-sufficient. We're not autonomous. But we are completely dependent on a good God that gives us all that we need. And, all, and more blessings than we deserve. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you 
Because your, your spirit is present here. You are with us. All glory be to you, Lord, because everything that we are able to accomplish is because of your grace. Because you're so, such a benevolent God that loves us, Lord. We pray now that as we go out and in our efforts at work, in school, church, home, community, that we glorify your name and represent you well, Lord. We pray that through your spirit we're able to do good works, Lord. And we uh, desire to have that day come where we will all taste the full glory of what you have promised us, Lord. You keep your promises even when we don't. And you're good even when we're not. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.